Welcome to Season 3 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is Lizzie from Wild Fox Gin. We're going to be talking all things gin and the distillery and how the business came about. But first, welcome to the podcast, Lizzie. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So I want to know kind of why gin and where did the idea of the business come from? Uh, So my background is in product development um, in the dairy industry. Um, So I've always had that um, excitement and passion around taking products to market. Um, And I think that combined with uh, obviously being on a farm um, and having the most wonderful natural growth around us to utilize obviously as well as uh, being dairy farmers you forget that the land that surrounds us is is full and bursting full of um, botanicals that we can utilize we sort of decided to make our own dry gin and it sounds quite cheesy and cliche but we liked gin uh, London dry gin as a family way before it became trendy so um, we can even remember ordering a gin and tonic and sort of it being a bit frowned upon like "Mm, that's quite an old drink for you um but we always had a gin and tonic mum and dad always had a gin and tonic uh, as they would come in from the parlor at night time um and I think as we came up to drinking age and ish um (laughs) when we started joining in with them uh, we enjoyed a gin too but what we found was um certainly you know going back sort of 10 years we started seeing a decrease in how flavorful these dry gins were and our sort of top shelf gin uh, which was like a, just a supermarket top shelf gin Bombay Sapphire I think it was at the time um, was so delicious at one point and really ginny but the flavors started to decrease naturally and what we found was as the rise of the craft gin market came the bigger boys that had already heavily invested obviously started cutting back in some of their production methods because the gins that we not we did know and love were becoming more and more vodka-like and you were actually ended up putting more gin to less tonic to try and sort of get that juniper flavour out and it was just all becoming a little bit synthetic. So that initially sparked the idea of going, do you know what, let's do this, let's let's create our own gin. Um, we set to foraging, I say we very loosely, everyone was very keen to try. <laughs> I was the one that was actually making it. Um, So, yeah, so uh, what we did was foraged what we had without disturbing any of the land and distilled it separately. Uh, So with no juniper, coriander, angelica, just absolutely on its own to see what flavour profile that gave. And then from that, we're able to create a signature dry gin that um, today is our hero gin known as Ivy Signature. And so... When did you start this? And I guess kind of the process of testing all the gins and kind of your flavours and everything, what was that like until you were like, yep, that's the one? So we started um, recipe development early 2018. Um, We commissioned our still in October 2018 and she got delivered in January 2019. And then once all the red tape was crossed off, um we launched on the 5th of April 2019 so quite a lengthy time from start to finish but 
Ivy's signature took 47 attempts and that was after the initial car crashes. That was the tweak in recipes. Um, we didn't know how... It was just like a real play between um, pine and zest. We knew we wanted a really bright, zesty, dry gin, but we didn't obviously want to over overtake the pininess also. So it was a bit of a trial and error. So that, that in itself took a long time. But by doing all of those recipe developments, actually cut down time since we've launched um, yeah. because um, obviously we got that wealth of knowledge. So even though it took us longer to launch than we'd have liked, now it's been better for us because when we are bringing new products to market it's a it's a quicker cradle to grave process i mean that is just such an exciting story and like the diversification of the farm like i'm from dairy farmers background so i understand kind of the importance of using those local ingredients as well and you're able to make such a a british gin but a gin from your farm which i think is like incredible um so Tell me kind of what happened from there. So obviously, why Wild Fox? Oh, so why Wild Fox? Everybody says this and everybody always says, why Wild Fox? Farmers hate foxes. Um, <laughs> yes, of a fashion. But um, my firstborn, um, Annie, uh, has bright red hair. So she was sort of born and it was like, is it a boy or a girl? And they were like, it's ginger. <laughs> and uh, and all we sort of saw was this like halo of just absolutely gorgeous red hair and we used to call her like a little carrot top um, and it was sort of as she got to toddling age and she used to bob around the fields and we used to say oh she looks like a little wild fox bobbing up and down so it always just stuck and then when Betsy was born our second child she too has been blessed with gorgeous golden locks so um, it just really fit well you know rather than directly naming it after your children um, they know why, we know why, and then obviously our customers learn why Wild Fox. And from kind of the signature gin that you've got, have you kind of spread out again in different flavoured gins and things like that? Talk me through kind of your um, collection that you've got at the moment. Yeah, so we definitely hate the term flavoured gins because that insinuates that you're adding syrups or synthetic powders that are everywhere um, and they are absolutely saturating the market. But uh, we are distilled dry gins. So we have five um, gins on at the moment. In fact, we're launching a new one tonight. So that's quite exciting for um, this little chat, although I'm not going to divulge too much. <laughs> um, so we we have our, obviously we have our Ivy's signature, uh, which utilises quite a lot of leaves. Um, and including that is Hawthorne and um, raspberry leaf so as and when the fruits arrived we decided to do a trial batch um, of a summer edition and with that we put black currants in there and blackberries so it became sort of like an orchard gin and we just trialed it for family and friends and then they were like yeah it's really different and it just shows like you know adding a tiny different um, you know small amount of a different botanical to a distillation can change a recipe so vast because that is our signature recipe simply distilled with raspberries blackberries and black currants so then along came ivy's orchard so it just sort of like fell as part of the journey um into place and people loved it and once the fruits have gone the gin's gone so we've done our last batch for this year now it's only been a four batch year um and then that will return next summer and then um again seasonally the damsons arrived and now my dad makes an absolutely amazing damson liqueur um but that is 
strictly for personal use um, and for the shoot season. So we uh, decided to do a different take on damsons and actually distill them into a gin, but by adding spices as well. So it became like a Christmas spirit. So then that sort of launches end of September and carries on to the beginning of December. So then that's really nice as well. So there we, there we are, we had three recipes and we thought, oh, this was just not in the plan at all, but it's really, you know, exciting to utilise what yeah. we had naturally. And then we started getting asked for a blushing gin or a pink gin. But to me, pink signifies um, synthetic. I've always sort of like tied the two together. So I thought, well, here's a chance to sort of break, you know, break the barrier and, and just add something new to market. So we launched um, a blushing rhubarb and elderflower, which again is so different to um the brightly colored bottles of the world and um, with the double barreled name uh, in the fact that we use real rhubarb and vapor infused of elderflowers so it is you have that natural sweetness because we actually stew the rhubarb before we distill but it's cut through so nicely with um elderflower um el fresh elderflower heads that are vapor infused in our still kin and then we add beetroot to make it blush so again just a really different type of pink gin so there was the fourth recipe and then the fifth recipe um, was our 12 ball, which was again only supposed to be um, rather than a seasonal release, like a celebratory release um, for the gamekeepers and the conservation work that they do. And it was just that sort of, do you know what? There's a lot of miss media. There's a lot of negative media and there's a lot of false information circulating around um, shooting season and gamekeeping. So we thought, do you know what? It's quite nice to have a chat um, when we're doing events, people coming to the distillery over a gin. You know, it's it's informal. Um, people are quite happy to have a little tipple and learn a bit more. And that soon became our bestseller. So we didn't take that off as a seasonal. So 12 balls very much here to stay. And I've just realised I can't count because then along came, <laughs> it's a rum do, which is definitely my more maverick side coming out. And that is from my desire um, of loving dark spiced rums, Ooh. but wanting to be something really different and quirky. So then came along, it's a rum do, which is a dark spice cascade gin. So it's really different. We call it our only Marmite gin because it really divides opinions. If you love it, you absolutely love it. And if you don't like it, it's a strong, I do not like this gin. So it's quite fun as well. We like to have something like that in, in, in the gin range because it creates conversation. Um, and, you know, although it might not be your taste, you can appreciate why it tastes like that because there is some really bold flavours in. And that's amazing because that was actually, the idea of that was born in lockdown um, from us making dandelion honey. Oh, and actually understanding how gorgeous, what a gorgeous caramel honey flavour dandelions actually produce. So we use the stalk and we use the root and we use leaf in most of our recipes, but we'd never have really used the head. So it was really a different, um, you know, a chance to use it and utilise it well. So it's just a really unusual quirky gin. And then our final recipe for this year, certainly um, to the family, is uh, being launched tonight. But I suppose... As this will not be aired tonight, I can actually tell you about it. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, obviously everything we do is a celebration of the British countryside, um, the sports of the countryside, um, and certainly reflecting the area that surrounds us. So our newest gene is called Main Event. 
um, and it's all themed towards um, equestrian eventing and that is going to be released tonight and again is a really brilliant dry gin to toast the end of a really difficult day but whereas our signature is really herbaceous using um meadow herbs if you will lots of red clover stinging nettle this is more culinary herbs so we've gone down rosemary and thyme and basil so it's a really rich decadent dry gin but really refreshing too so we're excited to launch this one because it's it's something that will sit really well and we've not made anything like it before well that's definitely an exclusive um for people who don't know gin if you've, you've got your dry gin um what makes it dry or what what makes the flavor and you know compared to like other gins like really dry yeah. what does the gins have- so like with the rise of the um with the rise of the craft gin market, there's two sorts of gins. There's traditional gins, which are uh, London dry gins, which is what we we like to take on. And then there's contemporary dry gins. So if it's distilled, it's dry, basically. Um, and dry is it's sugarless um, and colourless unless coloured by, na- uh, you know, being derived naturally. So um, I all gins to be classified as a dry gin must have juniper which gives like a beautiful piney flavor coriander seed which you get your zest from and then angelica root which is a really beautiful sort of earthy um herbaceous um botanical however dry it smells quite curry like it's a it's a really different botanical but you can get some strong florals from there as well so those three botanicals make a dry gin a dry gin and then from that you really can become quite exciting so there's so many to try so what I would say to people that are new to trying gin is to say strip it back start with a really decent London dry and then start experimenting and then by doing that you'll you'll find do you like the more spicier gins do you like the more zesty gins do you perhaps like the gins with a little bit of a fruity edge and then you'll find your tipple of choice yeah. So you're in the distillery now. Um yeah. talk to me about like how many bottles do you make a day or kind of what's what's the um the process on the kind of the line? Absolute glutton for punishment. We um distill fresh batches to order. So at the minute we are running both stills um every day seven days a week. So it's very hot. It's not the best time of year to be doing that, but um, we are siloing as well at the minute, so for the, for the reason that we we're able to get the grass in, we've not too much stress um, at this time of the year. I'm quite thankful for the sun, albeit very warm in the distillery today. Um, so we make ours in a one-shot distillation, so what's distilled is bottled, um, which means that you get a purer distillate um, with a lot more clarity. So there's two ways of distilling. Um, in short, our stills can make a hundred or a thousand bottles per distillation. So we make a hundred by using a one-shot method, or we could use um, we could make a thousand bottles by distilling a concentrate and watering it down. So it's almost like you make a really strong gin cordial, if you will, and then you um, put some of that in every bottle, say a thousand bottles, and you top it up with neutral grain spirit, which is essentially a high-strength vodka. So it's two ways of doing it. There isn't really a wrong way. The both of them are absolutely distilled gins, um, but you definitely get much more flavour 
um, and clarity from a one-shot distillation. So even though at the minute nobody's thanking me for sticking to those values, um, we've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of orders and shows on at the moment, and it's uh, a little bit manic out there. But um, it definitely pays off and the end consumer because you can tell a difference. And I guess kind of where can people get get this this gin? Is it from the distillery? Are you in in shops? Kind of where where can people get them? So we are nationwide, up and down the country in various outlets, uh, wine merchants, farm shops, independent retailers, um, and obviously you can buy online for nationwide free delivery. Um, and you can also come direct to the distillery so you can actually see the gin being distilled as well as have a tipple and purchase a bottle as well. And for people who don't know, where is the distillery? So we are based in Inglewhite, um, which is like a really small hamlet just in between Garstang and Longridge. Um, so it's really worth the little drive out. Um, here we are situated very much on our working farm, so the views are impressive. Um, we also offer coffee and cake, nibbles, and the bar is always open, certainly. <laughs> we don't have a curfew on there. On people trained in at nine o'clock in the morning we're happy for that um so yeah so we offer tasting boards so you can come in and do a little gin flight um which means you get to try all of the gins before um you maybe want to purchase a bottle um, and it's just a really nice space to either work or socialize or you know small social groups and then on an evening um we do private hire so you can have your uh, function or party or corporate event here as well so it's a little bit of a it's a definitely a hive of activity um but it's really good fun as well so how much is it to sort of sample all the gins you do if you're doing that like you said yeah, so we do a fly, a gin fly, and that is £7.50, and that is regardless if we have special editions on there, just added on there. So we've kept it really low um, to encourage people to come and try um, and also not have that awful feeling as, oh, God, do I have to buy? Absolutely not. We're not here to do the hard sell. We're here to talk to you about the gin and just let you sit somewhere different and quirky. Um, we've got, like, a really industrial feel here but a really family warm welcome as well so we welcome solo guests we always have literature and things to read um loads of dogs we always get dogs in um dogs are very welcome here in the distillery and then again um all ages families and groups and i guess the key question is you like gin in 2018 after trying so much of it and working with it day in, day out, do you still love it? Or do you sometimes just think like, no, I don't want to have a gin and tonic when I go out. I'm going to have like um, a glass of Prosecco or like a vodka or something. I don't think there's, uh, I don't think that could ever happen if I'm honest. Um, I think we get excited by different varieties of gin. Like we all get ready as a team for the seasonals coming out because we're ready for something a little bit different. Um, we also run gin schools midweek so that was something that was absolutely never um in our journey we never thought we would do that but we were asked to do it once and it sort of snowballed from there and that is really great as well because trying different weird and wonderful concoctions that guests make keeps keeps the excitement alive because of course every day all day i would love to do recipe development but that just is not um 
attainable in a business sense. So it's, uh, no, the answer in short to that is, of course, mm-hmm. I drink other drinks at the minute. You know, we're all partial to an Aperol at night time. Um, but we'd all, all always have a and t at the end of the day. And so what... Um... What tonics do you prefer, and maybe what tonics match with with your your signature gin? If someone was having a gin and tonic, because there's loads, isn't there? There's there's elderflower, there's um, Mediterranean. I do quite like the Mediterranean, but it obviously it then changes the flavour. Of so the- we are really simple on that. Uh, no garnishes, no flavoured tonics. So we say all our gins should be enjoyed um, with a plain Indian tonic. We use Schweppes here. um, And do you know what? It's really funny because people will say to us often, oh, yeah, we only use Fever Tree and we'll pour it with Schweppes and they'll have no idea. And then we'll say that was Schweppes and they go, you're joking. And, And the whole point is that a decent gin does not need a fancy tonic because all you're doing is adding flavor so if somebody tells you to add this garnish or this flavored tonic to their gin you should be asking what's wrong with the base product because that should do all the talking and shining and we also say double up so many times we see people drowning gins you know it as much gin is in your glass is plenty to just double up with the tonic water as well and um, the key thing is ice we like a glass full of ice as not to melt uh, this, the, you should have the same amount of ice in your glass, start to finish. Um, so, yeah, really simple with us. Let the gin do the talking. If not enjoyed as a sipping drink, then double up with a plain Indian tonic. That's such a good, such good tip. And I guess you've, you've won, like, awards and things. Talk to me a little bit about those. Oh, I am the world's worst. In fact, me and Rob are terrible. We've always said this. Um, and our marketing team always said, you are ridiculous. Enter more awards. It's such a lengthy process of form filling. And then when you're sort of swept up in day-to-day life of running the business alongside everything else, you sometimes you just forget to do it. And actually, we've always said the biggest accolade is people coming back again and again and telling you do you know what it tastes really good we love it um but saying that the awards that we have got are really fantastic and we're very humbled to have won such prestigious awards um being such a tiny distillery in the middle of nowhere um so we've got everything from bronze to gold um medals for all our recipes now and then we've also got gold medals for our corporate label recipes too so we're really really proud of that and alongside that as a business we actually won um the national recognition for the rural business awards so we we were so delighted with that because we really were not expecting it um and when we got you know to being a finalist in regionals we thought wow this is incredible and then to go to a national level and win that as well that was really the icing on the cake to say do you know what it doesn't matter that we're small um you know we always say this we are not the biggest we do not want to be the biggest but we definitely want to be up there with the best but also stay humble at the same time um, and practice what we preach so we are really keen on you know if we say we're going to do something will do it and not cut any corners and that isn't always uh, the best business sense um, I'm the first one to admit that but I do believe it's why your customers do return as well yeah so you mentioned your team's quite small how kind of how many people does it take to to make one of your gins let's say from so start? There's, there's only Rob and I that distill 
Um, so um, Rob and I do all recipe work and distillation, and we're really um, keen on that. Uh, we were taken out of the business unexpectedly last year, um, and that did prove to us that the contingency just was not there. Um, however, we still haven't changed that, and, and we do like to keep control of that. And then we have got a really great team around us. So we've got Dawn who's our new business manager and all round just um third pair of hands she's absolutely wonderful we're very lucky to have her as part of the team we've known dawn forever so it was wonderful that she decided to be a part of the wild fox family and we've got jill as well so jill was always in the sites for us and i used to work with jill many moons ago and jill is everything that i am not so she's organized she's um very methodical she likes things in place, whereas I am like a car crash <laughs> or a firework. Let's say a firework, more creative. So Jill and I work very well together um, because what I don't excel in, she certainly does. Um, but both, um, you know, the, all of the team are recognised really well in front of customers and everyone's, you know, part of the family and it doesn't matter who's in. Everyone's delighted to see whoever's in when they come in the door. And alongside that, we have five wonderful part-time staff that help us with evening events and markets and shows. Yeah, and like the markets are such a big thing of, of supporting local businesses and getting people to taste and to see your, your, um, your products. I think they're kind of a key thing that the, that needs to keep happening and needs to get like bigger in this country. Um, what would you say is your future then? Like, where do you see the business going, or maybe like in the next few years or longer term? Well, our five-year plan became our two-year plan very quickly in the fact that we built the distillery that we're sat in now, um, a lot quicker than we anticipated, um, and. I am one of those that, of course, we've got ambitions and goals, but as long as everybody's happy and everyone's in work and, you know, we can sort of do everything that we want to do at that moment, don't try and be greedy. Don't keep going bigger and bigger. And we get told all the time, and we've seen it a hundred times, if you get too big, you lose your values. And that is certainly something that we don't want to do. Um, so future plans... Um, we are all, as me especially, very reactive. We don't say no to anything. And I suppose everyone else is writing our um, story for us, really, because um, things are happening uh, week on week that we, you know, can't sometimes get our heads around and it's just wonderful. But it's also things that we never anticipated. So um, in the way of work, we just want to keep um, welcoming people, creating new recipes, um, certainly working with um, our wonderful friends in the corporate world um, and carrying on doing, just making bloody good gin. <laughs> I love that. What a way to end. Um, so if people are listening to this and they want to kind of know more about yourselves, kind of what's your Instagram and website for them to kind of follow along with the journey? So super easy. You can even put into Google uh, Wild Fox Distillery or it's just www.wildfoxdistillery.co.uk and then all of our social media channels. So Instagram and Facebook are at Wild Fox Distillery. We are on Twitter or whatever it's called nowadays. But um, um, we, yeah, we don't excel on that. <laughs> put it that way. Um, and of course, come and see us. Just ring up 
come and see us the best thing to do is face to face so yeah as much as there's a social media presence we'd rather have you through the door for a chat yeah so yeah well I'm definitely going to come down now um and I thank you so much for coming and chatting about it it's so interesting and I think like just supporting local businesses like you said and just like diversifying your farm and kind of supporting like local farmers local businesses is just the key thing to do I reckon so I think if we all did that there wouldn't be an issue in the world but hey I'm not prime minister yet (laughs) (laughs) um I'll just stop Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.